So we are recording at the moment. Just want to welcome everyone. This is a pilot episode of Kevin's podcast. Still working on the name, but today we have lovely MA. She's been traveling all over the world. She's got plenty of stories to share. You want to say hi real quick? Hi. Hi, everybody. Yes, I've been traveling for six months. I am currently homeless by choice. <laughs> And loving it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And then we have the lovely Hassan here with us. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Oh, yeah, we're recording as well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yeah. So just want get, to get you guys together because, you know, we we know each other through through cycling. We've done a lot of racing together. You know, we've done a lot of just commuting with, with each other, especially, like, the trips to Malibu. Like, those are the biggest things that i got out of intent it was like so awesome and uh we should say that intent was the team that we were all on that we would travel together and do training camps together and race together and train together and sweat together and all that good stuff yeah so yeah just um want to get a conversation going with you guys it doesn't really have to be anything specific you know it, it can be about your day uh, i know hassan's going to Colombia this month and MA you literally just came back from Colombia yes. so yep. maybe we can have a conversation there I would love to go to Colombia at some point um you guys know a lot of people in Colombia so maybe I can get hooked up at some point oh <laughs> uh, bro if it's you went done. out there you wouldn't have to worry about anything mm -hmm. they're so amazing even if even if we didn't know them you probably they're just such great people if you just go out there they'll take care of you anyways yeah yeah no for sure everyone's there's a common um it's not really a saying, but it's like a theme out there where, where people say that if in Colombia, if you ask somebody for directions, they'll probably take you to the place. They'll walk you all the way, <laughs> all, all the way over to where you, where you need to go instead of just giving you directions. Right. And I, I, I can, I was actually on, at a waterfall in the forest with like probably six or eight people doing a ritual when I was there and I had to work. So somehow... I didn't know what they were coordinating. Somebody told somebody, and then one of the guys in the ritual walked me down the mountain to meet Alex, you know, to pick me up. Right. Which was like, okay, thank you, right. stranger. But he had to walk all the way back up. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, totally crazy. left the ritual just yeah. and waited with me because, yeah. you know, he thought it was the right thing to do to help me be safe. And the American in me was like, do I pay him? Do I, you know? <laughs> and he was just like, no, no, yeah. this is my pleasure. You know, con gusto. I was like, Okay, thank you. He didn't think so, twice about it. It was just, right. just something you do. Someone needs help going down the mountain, you help him go down. It's such a crazy thought for us. Yeah. You don't grow up around that. It's so foreign. Really is. Especially like in the city. Like, um, I came from Mexico. The biggest like um, change for me was like how once you're walking in the city, like nobody gives a shit about you. Like everyone's just walking and just like focus on, on their lives, just focus on their day. And, and like back in Mexico, like back in like, my pueblito, like, everyone's like, hey, buenos dias, how are you doing? Like, right. my, my grandma, like, her nickname was La Bandera because everyone used to salute her. Like, when you used to say hi to her, you know? <laughs> so it, it's just crazy, like, how, I guess, disconnected people are here and maybe not in the whole United States, but, like, specifically in big cities where, like, you could just get lost in the sea of people. Well, yeah, well, out there it's normal. Over here, if you just start telling random people, especially out in Chicago in the city, we start telling random people, Hey, how are you? Eat. Two things will have either it'll come up as tacky, like who's this guy telling me, or what is he trying to get out of it? Right. Or people are just thrown back. Mm -hmm. 
Well, this is crazy. Someone's asking me how. Over there, it's normal. Everyone you see, you say, you say buenas to. This is right. how it is. You see, you see someone crossing the street. If you make eye contact and you don't say buenas, it's weird. <laughs> Over here, we try everything we can to avoid eye contact. And if we do, do not pre- acknowledge people. Right. If we make eye contact, pretend like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, as if no, I was actually looking over there. I wasn't looking yeah, at that person. Yeah. Hopefully, they think that too. Yeah. It was so much work. Just say buenas. It's so much easier. <laughs> it's so much easier to acknowledge people. I actually have a theory. Go ahead. Okay. So, being the mature, the oldest one in the group, <laughs> I really think it comes down to ego. I think that, you know, when we're born as humans, mm-hmm. we are naturally egocentric. Like, we cry, we need something, we get. Right. And the. Yeah, you don't <laughs> care if your mom is tired. Like, no, you feel right. You need something, yeah. but that's the way it's set up, yeah, right? We we can't walk or feed ourselves when we're right. when we're born, and so as we're raised, we can go. I'm going to split it into two. Obviously, there are more than two, but you can go to where your ego still. It's still all about you and whatever is going on for you. Your point of reference for everything is you. Like, that's why a lot of Americans will be like, "Why is that guy looking at me?" Right. Right, that's all fucking about that that guy. Right. Whereas a Colombian will be like, I'm part of this collective. Right. I'm part of this human experience, and there is not a me. Well, don't get me started on that. I well, exist within this. Right. I'm not. Um, in that culture, you can't separate yourself from the larger community. Over here, everyone has separated themselves. Right, the way we live, the way we drive. Like, think about when somebody cuts you off in America versus Colombia. You get caught off in the car. Everyone's like, oh, that asshole, like, cut me off. He delayed a cyclist, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. How many times have you been buzzed because you have somehow caused someone a 10-second, maybe 10-second delay? Right? Right? Whereas in Colombia, they're like, okay, well, we have roads, and roads are used for vehicles and right. walking, and it is like doesn't even enter into their yeah. consciousness that it's a problem yeah. that someone is on a bike. Right. right. And they have way more traffic over there. So for them, it should be an even right. bigger problem if a bike is cutting them off, because they're already right. stuck in traffic all the time. Right. If it's about, I mean, this is a really gross generalization, but if people make their existence about them... That's when we have what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is why being present is so especially important because you go out there. The reason someone maybe doesn't get irritated when you cut them off or something is because they're just present. They're just where they're at. They're not necessarily focused. When they're driving, they're focused on driving. While they have a destination to get to, that's not the only thought occupying their mind. Whereas over here, we walk day to day. The reason we want to avoid this person to say buenas because maybe we fear a conversation and we have to get this. Like yep. The likelihood of that happening is it's not going to turn into a conversation. But we just overthink all these things because the only thing on our mind is where we have to get to or the next thing that we have to do. 100, 110%. Right. It's, it's definitely about the, uh, the whole point of being present in the moment that a lot of people in the city, what I've seen personally, just like in the city, People are just not present. They're just like so focused on the daily routine, right. focused on, you know, what's what's going to happen in the next step, on the next step. Yeah. Or people uh, opposite where they're just like just focused on the past. Maybe they had a like traumatic experience or something like that. Where just like they're not in the present moment. Yeah, it's, absolutely. I've started to, you know, when I do my life coaching, which, mm-hmm. you know, we could talk about or tag in that <laughs> Yeah, <episode>. for sure. <laughs> But, Link on the description. Right. <laughs> Link in bio. Um, but I've started to 
I've started to suggest to people that their best position to be in is to be open. And, you know, some people say, oh, I want to be at peace. I want to be happy. Okay, well, how about we just want to be open? And that's a really brave place to be. It's a really scary place to be. But that's a place where when you're walking down the street and you make eye contact with someone, you're open. You're like, oh, wow, there's another human smiling at me. And then who knows what will happen. So. No, yeah. It's and like uh, Hassan was saying, it's it's like people sometimes just fear the fact that they might have to have this conversation with a stranger. God forbid, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I would like to say that the reason why we're all together is because we all live our lives. I mean, the three of us, if somebody said, well, how do these three people know each other? You'd be like, no, that can't possibly. (laughs) (laughs) And it's because we've all been open and just Mm -hmm. opening our hearts and our minds and appreciating each other and the other people. The reason I have this connection with all of you guys is because Mark was that dude when in my first race, again, even now it's not my natural tendency to just go and spark conversation with random people, but it's his. He loves making connections Mm -hmm. with people and he's so Mm -hmm. good at it too. He's such a genuine dude. Mm -hmm. Right at my first race, he just decided to push me from the back and help me because I was getting dropped. I didn't know what to do. (laughs) The, the, The recon lap, I raced that lap. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm winning. And in reality, I, we, we stopped at the stop start line. And I'm like, oh, shoot. That was just a recon lap. Nice. And it's a Cat 5 race. Mm-hmm. It, it like eight dudes in there. Mark was one of them. This is 2016. I, oh, actually, it might have been. It was fall like 14, of 2015. No, it was fall 15, of 2015. Because yeah. it was monsters some Medway, yeah, right? Yeah. No, no, no. It was fall fling. Oh, okay. And it was fall of 2015. And then Mark was just so awesome. And I was so fascinated by this guy that when the next year when I was racing for ABD, I was trying to hang out with Mark as much as possible. And then I just wanted to go where he was at. And then when he joined in 10, I'm like, no, I'm also joining. Because in the beginning of 2017, you and Mark had both joined in 10. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to go where Mark goes. And so had it not been for Mark that first time, and and he does this for everybody. Mm -hmm. He brings everybody into whatever he's doing. If he's interested in something, it could be archery. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He wants everybody to try it. And he bring, and he makes everybody excited about it. Yeah. That's like that's my goal to to be to, that dude. To, yeah, to be that <laughs> way in so many ways. Right? Yeah. Well, you, you gotta surround yourself with people like that who are so much better at something than you. And for 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 me, that's him. He's yeah. such a great human. Being being able to, and that we were talking about that on the on the on the way here that um, like being a better cyclist. Um, obviously, like training and and. Uh, dieting and all that stuff is good but at the end of the day like training with people that are way better than you makes you a thousand times better than than you um training on your own right just because you can't push yourself maybe or for me like especially slacklining it's such a new sport i guess um and just seeing people like completely obliterate like the previous world record or just like seeing something that you're like that's not physically possible. And when you see somebody actually do it, you're like, yeah. you know what? That is possible. It's like with I'm, I'm going right? to fucking do it. It's, it's insane. It, it's, it's like this great, like, great filter, I guess you can say. And, and like, once somebody passes it, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that too. And I'm just going to go beyond that. You know, so that's, that's what uh, is good about just being with people that push you always. Well, and, and again, being open to it because, you know, there are people that would see 
someone riding really well in a race or someone doing really well in slacklining or something like that. And they're triggered instantly in their insecurities. So then either they make you stupid or ridiculous or they, as a coach, that's what I hear. I hear all the excuses and mm, all yeah. the, the blocks. And I have a lot of compassion for them because it's, they're scared. Right. But there is an innate level of openness in the two of you to be like, wow, that's super, A, that's super cool. And B, maybe maybe I could do that. Or maybe right. I could do something like that. Um, I hate to say it, but like, especially with men, like with men's ego, we're like, like if you go to a race like that and you just get completely obliterated, you're like, fuck this. I never want to do this again. This is fucking bullshit. You, you blame everything but yourself. Right, Girls right. do it too. I have yeah, to tell you, yeah. we do it too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just natural. And as you get seasoned at, as an athlete, you know it lasts about 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm, you yeah. separate yourself and mm-hmm. then you come back and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it again. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, being, being able to open yourself up and, and be like, you know what? I... I completely understand the situation and I'm going to work with whatever I can. Right. I do. um, I am. This conversation is making me think about how somebody can be such a good athlete, though, and such a poor performer Mm. uh, because there are just so many pieces that need to be in place on the mental side that you could have the strong, the highest FTP and you're the best slackliner, and it's so interesting that those two things have to come together mm-hmm. in order for somebody to really do well. And sometimes you even have to add a third one, which is luck. Oh, <laughs> for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's yeah. it's insane. All these different things that you you need to like, I guess, put together to actually get number one. Especially like in in, in cycling, I've done a lot of like competitive stuff like with with rowing with cycling with slacklining but like with cycling it's it's really the one that, that so many variables you can't yeah control. that i've always struggled with like it's so hard it's so hard to win to, yeah to, to get that, <laughs> yes. that number one and it's always in my head whenever i'm i'm in the the starting line and i look i look around and i look at all these people all these expensive bikes and i'm just like fuck only one person's gonna get number one yeah, yeah. and it's just like it just like for me in my head i just keep like degrading myself it's just like it's probably not gonna be me the like, crazy thing with cycling is even if you're the strongest one in the race or you have the ability to for sure win the race you're maybe one of the best racers in the mm-hmm. race because oftentimes like luck does play a role like in at gateway recently i was racing where i positioned myself it couldn't have been more perfect positioning and then last lap, I'm probably fifth wheel. We're on the, we just come out of turn two. We're going straight. And then all of a sudden I go down because the person in front of me did something. I still don't know what they did. They didn't lock wheels. We were going straight. Uh-huh. This was a single, like single file. And he went down and I just went down behind him. Yeah. What other position should I have been in? If I was any further front, I would have been too far forward. Any further back and I wouldn't have been able to make up any places. That's why I feel like with cycling, sometimes with positions like one through three it's basically the same thing mm-hmm. a lot of times what differentiates one through three is luck in a criterion 100 percent. oh for sure for sure yeah yeah and and to, yeah it's i mean at that point whoever's in the front is knows how to play the game mm-hmm. and then it does come down to luck but if you accept that luck is a part of it 
then your enjoyment and probably how you ride will be that much more unabashed. And mm. you need to be that delicate balance of mm. like still really aware of what's going on, yeah. but also just ready, yeah. just ready to go crazy. It's very similar to poker. Poker, yeah. I don't, I don't play a lot of poker because I don't like what my family does. <laughs> it's very similar. If you see these guys in like the World Series of Poker, it's still... Um, the game is figured out, so there's so many complexities in the game of poker that, um, in Texas Hold'em, like specifically, right? There's so many different complexities and um, so many mathematical equations and all that stuff that always have to be happening. And that these guys at the top pro level are doing, but still, even at that level, there are still the same dudes that you'll see ending up in the top 20 in a tournament. And it's because luck still plays a role, like you're playing cards, right. it still plays a role. But there's still so much skill outside of that. And it's not really all that different with criteriums. Once you accept that reality, there's, I mean, there's a whole lot you can control. Of course, with anything in life. I guess, well, I guess we could think about it. Is there a sport where there's no luck? I mean, maybe like Olympic weightlifting, right? There's no luck in that. There's no variable that's... So it would have to be a single sport because you can't have anybody else right. involved. No one else to depend on. Right. You would have to have no environmental factors like wind or like earthquakes. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? No, like, so, no, but seriously. And I wonder too, like, I would think that the more luck that is involved, it has to still be a sport. So, but the more luck, like hockey, like, I feel like hockey players, they're so good and they're so smart. I heard once that a hockey player makes two decisions every second. Oh my gosh. Right? It's because it's just so fast. It's the most fa- quick paced sport. But luck. I feel like it's the most quick paced sport ever. It's, they're so hot. <laughs> so, if any hockey players are out there that need a coach, how well, you with doing? driving too, right? Yeah. Driving. Oh, we were talking about rally. Yeah, yeah. Rally. Or, or even just high performance driving. Bro, mm-hmm. F1 cars. Average speed for a race with a bunch of like Monaco, all those corners, and the average speed is still what upwards of one thirty. It's crazy. Yeah, right. But for a course like that, I guess there's luck. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I'm just saying the decisions that have to be made yeah. every second when when you're doing something at that sort of speed, especially because there's environmental factors that are always affecting. Right. Like you in mean a sport be, like that. Yeah. yeah. Or like just a pebble that just so happened to go across the road at that right. time, and now you're going two hundred, and you hit that, and the oh adjustment you have yeah, to make. It's crazy. I have so much appreciation for these guys. I was, I was going to say that I wonder if when sports are involve a fair amount of luck, whether it crosses over into more inherent enjoyment. Mm. Because in order to play professional hockey, and I'm happy to personally interview any professional hockey players <laughs> that want to debate me on this subject. This is for the um, yes, podcast. it's going there. <laughs> um, uh, I would think that you have to very early on accept that there is luck and, you know, bounces and you can't, there's, you don't have time to wallow in fuck that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was going there. You just got to move on. So, right. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if they just, cause hockey is so raw and so crazy. What, which part of hockey involves a lot of luck? Where the puck goes. Like, you know, the puck bounces. Understanding geometry. There is, but there's still always there's ice because the ice is a variable that changes, mm-hmm. right? So oh, you have all. True, yeah. I mean, I was a hockey mom when my son was you know played hockey for a zillion years, 
So there, you can have the geometry set up, but it hits a little divot or something, and right. then all of a sudden the puck goes yeah. like sideways, and you're like, oh my god. But those guys aren't whining about that. Right. Like, those guys adjust, are just yeah. like, okay, now we're chasing it here. Like, yeah. ah! Yeah. Well, hockey is so fun. You have to accept, like, that point of acceptance is... Let's go a little um, bit closer to the... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that point of ex- acceptance is where you have the freedom to, like, play mm-hmm. and just... You don't wallow in your yeah. misery. Like, how many times have you been in a bike race and you hear someone complaining? Oh like, my god! Yeah, you know, I had a girl chase me down once because I like, <laughs> I think I remember this. Actually, down. Yeah. yeah, I was racing in Willow Springs. Yeah, and it was like final sprint, and I, you know, took a wheel, and uh-huh. this girl was, you know, she had a reaction when I slipped in there, but I was like, yeah, well, whatever. That's this is what we're doing. That's the name of the game. Yeah, and then you know. And me being in a sprint was even a big deal because typically that wasn't happening because sprinting is not my game. But so we finished the race. It was totally normal. Like I looked back, like nobody crashed from me taking the wheel. She hunted me down. It was so mad and said, you ruined my race. That was my, oh my wheel. God. And I was like, honey, honey, this is not the game. You're, you're playing a different game. Honestly. Like, and that's, that's one of the main reasons why I kind of like stopped playing uh, playing bikes. <laughs> well, just like road and criterium in general, just right. because like the the atmosphere is like so much more hostile for some reason. Like I love um, uh, what's the word? A CX uh, cross. Yeah, I love yeah. cross because oh, it's yeah. just fun. You just go out yeah. there, like people throw shit at you. Like sometimes you get like a dollar, like a poop dollar or whatever. <laughs> like they give you like donuts and no, stuff. I got a poop dollar. I've got a poop dollar a before. Poop? It, it, was, it was Nutella, but you know, oh, still. Oh, okay. Um, but <laughs> I love, I love that. I love that the, you know the people are just like so connected and it's just so fun. Like obviously, like in the pro races, like yeah, there's always like oh, you know, somebody's gonna be number one. But like the cat fours, fives, and, and threes, even like it's just all about having fun. When you're racing in the criterium, it's just like everyone's looking and just kind of like oh yeah, I'm, I got a big cock or whatever. Just like. There's nothing wrong with wanting to win and being super crazy no, no, competitive. No, that's definitely, there's nothing wrong to it. I'm just it, saying it, I don't just, like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's bothersome when people just all of a sudden, they start pretending that this is like the Tour de France. Yeah, first exactly. Off. And also the Tour de France runners are much more calm than this. This is mm-hmm. why they're I was level. just going to say that. Yeah. I think it's just because you're the, dealing with men who... You know, they have a hall pass to do one race and and, (laughs) and their identity is wrapped in. They put their entire value and self-worth into these crits, which is Mm -hmm. why they probably don't actually enjoy it, really. Mm -hmm. They they just do it because they feel like they do have to do it and because they're in this culture. And this is where ego comes in. Can't withdraw themselves for that. They're already in it. So now I just got to keep going with it. And now if I don't do well, oh my God, I didn't want to do it in the first place. Yeah, and so I now, feel like that's just yeah. missing the whole point. Exactly. I just got to love to race. But, but that's why you see people migrating to smaller races. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens a lot in triathlon. They for, People start triathlon, they're doing these big races. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're seeing their posts on social media. Oh, I won my age group. Right. Oh, there were, you know, which is cool. <laughs> but the... I see triathletes a lot migrate to really small races so they get the fix of the medal. Right. Um, yeah, I I actually am coaching an athlete now. Because that's what they're racing for rather than just loving the, loving right, the race itself. Right, right, yeah. I'm coaching somebody now, and, and they 
they want to be in their first thing that they want is to be in a position where they have the potential to meddle, which I love. Mm. Like, that's great. You just want to be in the ballpark. But some people will go and be like, I want to set myself up so there's a high, really high likelihood that I'll yeah. podium. Yeah. Well, yeah. Big fish in a little pond. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've, I've had like plenty of like. Um, I don't want to suck my own cock, you know, but <laughs> I've had plenty of like metals. I, and, I, I have earphones <laughs> in. I, what? <laughs> I, I just like, I had plenty of like, um, you know, big wins, I guess you can say. Um, right. But like the biggest win for me was like something that didn't really matter. Um, just like uh, state championships for, for road race back in 2016. I got like third place um, and on on my category and then like maybe 10th place overall but it, it was just like the hardest race i've ever done in my life like i literally mm. put everything on the line and like we're talking about mark uh mark i thought he died like <laughs> <laughs> i could probably put the clip but oh my god oh he my we're going like 25 miles an hour down the hill and like in one second just like disappeared and i'm like oh what god. the fuck like it was pretty bad like anyway but that not was, bad enough for you to stop i was like i, I was like i need to stop yeah, i gotta make sure race. he's okay yeah. but then i'm like no he would want me to finish yeah, exactly. Mark would want he's injured already so <laughs> exactly. i mean what am i gonna do <laughs> but yeah it was just like oh my god that was i felt so good to like be able to hash it out with all these um great writers because it was a it was a mixture of cat twos and cat cat threes so um, so there were a lot, a lot of people that were supposedly, you know, uh, fitness wise, probably faster. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And I was still able to like cash it out in the in the big sprint and everything. So I was like, man, that was that was awesome. So a lot went into that, and we were talking about mm -hmm. this in the car, right? The mm -hmm. satisfaction comes directly from from the, from the the struggle the that travel. it took to get there. Right, right. Because of of all of my wins, actually, my least satisfactory win was the junior state championships, <laughs> because one. Okay, like, I, I shouldn't have been on the podium at all because there were guys there who were way faster. There weren't that many guys, first off. The ones that were there were all faster. Somehow, I guess I raced that race so smart that I wasn't even gassed at the end. Mm -hmm. And guys way faster than me, who I never beat again, were gassed at the end. I don't really know. I mean, I, I, I know what I did, but it wasn't satisfactory. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, it's, okay, it's problematic, too, because I'm just really hard on myself. And mm -hmm. so I didn't want to celebrate that because I'm like, this is... In reality, I raced smart, so it should have been. Yep. However, when I won a, a couple years later, this is actually when I won in 2020 at Intelligentsia. Actually, it might have been 2019, Intelligentsia. I forgot which course it was, but there's a school with a football field right there. Oh, but, I'm trying to... Oh, yeah, yeah, Glen Ellen? It could be oh, Glen Ellen. Oh, Glen Ellen. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the breakaway since, like, lap two. That breakaway got within five seconds of the group, probably six times in that race. And mm -hmm. it was just three of us. So we kept it going. And then I won that sprint. And that race destroyed me. <laughs> and that was the most amazing mm -hmm. feeling, winning that. And by the way, that race could have been a no-name race. It wouldn't have had to be, be an intelligentsia. Yeah. Because I still didn't get a bag of coffee, which is what I want. I've always, <laughs> never gotten a podium blend, but turns out you have to be on. The, if you win, you don't get podium blend. Only if you get second or third. Really? So either for me, I was either winning or off the podium. Wow. <laughs> so still never got a podium blend. One day. One day. One day I'll, I'll get second or third. But that was the most satisfactory win out of yeah. every win that I've had because it, of what it took so to get there.
but which also shows me that I, I really do have love for the sport because that's what brings me satisfaction is that process of getting mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Like, nice thing. So I have a question for you guys. Yep. Could you have those experiences that you're describing when podiums aren't involved? Probably not. That's a good why? question. I just love competing so much. Yeah, but why does the podium, sorry to cut you off, why does the podium have anything to do with it? Because the commonality between the, yeah. what you two just said, the thing that I just heard mm-hmm. was you gave it everything. You get you were cash. You gave it everything. Everything you got had, you did everything you possibly could do mm-hmm. in that moment. You did that. That's when you guys lit up. That's when you guys. I heard yeah. the emotion in your voice. Mm-hmm. As someone who loves both of you, and as a coach, like I would say, look for that because that's attainable. No all matter what, Paul, every day. As a very competitive person, I can't tell myself that I gave it everything if it didn't result in a win. That's a problem. Yeah. That's, I mean, so the only way I can a, accept that I gave problem. it everything and be happy with it is if it also resulted in a win. I would really, really, really I ask you to look at that because you're, because we just got done discussing luck variables Mm -hmm. factors we all just got discussing done discussing how many variables there are in a criterion by grace which is what we're talking about now and so what is happening is that you're saying i have this experience but i am quantifying it by all of the other variables because one of the very one of the things you like about bike racing is that you are racing against other really good people who want the same thing. Right. And you, Kevin, just said, "Well, I'm looking around, and I know only one of us is winning." <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's a fact. It's hundred guys, one one winner. Yep. And so it is a beautiful thing when it comes together, and your efforts result in cheering and coffee and whatever else they give you but the that experience is like you actually probably did that in hundreds of other races that you Mm -hmm. didn't and this is not me being Susie sunshine this is me (laughs) just saying that's that's the fucking life that's available to Mm -hmm. you like every single day with work with everything you're just like i'm just gonna do it and then Oh, yeah. And I just, I just wanted we're depriving to... ourselves of that satisfaction of having done something amazing if it didn't end up in a tangible result. Right. And it's illogical the the illogical the the connection you've connected variables that are out of your control right. with you're making them mean something that they have nothing to do with that. Yeah. What you just and I, about. I just wanted to touch on that. I'm reading a book called um, Atomic Habits, and. This book specifically Isn't talks like about Dale Carnegie or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this book specifically talks about what we're talking about, where we really shouldn't contra- uh, con- constrain, constrain, constrain ourselves. Okay. <laughs> English second language yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of, um, of goals, because at the end of, of the day, like uh, the winners, that the number one and number two, or, or even the last person. They all had the same goal of being number one, right? But so, like having that that goal doesn't doesn't uh, 
you know change from from winning or losing it's it's the the fact that you just wanted to better yourself um and i think that's you know something that that you're talking about where um if it wasn't for the podium then um i wouldn't feel satisfied or whatever uh it's more of the um i guess like the uh experience and and just like the mentality of of actually doing it instead of just like focusing on the goal because once you get to the goal like and that's it like that's yeah that's really important to um i want to add on to that i think that it's really important to then uh, reorient what our goals are because it's oxymoronic Mm -hmm. to be constrained by a goal right the whole point of a goal is yeah the opposite of being constrained it's to surpass what you thought you could do. Mm-hmm. And so now if your goal is constraining you, like just ending up on the podium, we should reorient that goal to giving it our all regardless of what happens because that you can't be constrained by that. Right. What if you make... So I have a few few things to... Yeah. I, I saw your... Um, your... <laughs> one is I see a lot of people use their goal as an out. Okay, because mm. the second that guy or girl who says, oh, yeah, you know, I'm primed, I'm peaking, this is my A race, I, I mean, my coach says, like, I'm ready, and they don't make the podium, oh, my gosh. Like, it just is, it's devastating, it's devastating. Mm. there's drama, they hate themselves, they self-loathe, I've Throw done it, you know, um, all these things, right? <laughs> and it's all the enjoyment, and then, typically, that spirals them away from their sport. Mm-hmm. Rarely is there a human that can be like, I am so primed, I'm going to tell everyone I'm primed, and then tell everyone with so much comfort, yeah, no, wasn't my day. That's a true, right. evolved, highly evolved athlete. There's a lot of yep. But, so it's an out. Like, it's an out. And I've seen, how many guys have you seen give up when they clearly are no longer going to win? You know? Yep. Oh, I, my I, I've, given, I've been that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. It happened. I mean, it happened. And it, it's part of, you know, this is why sport is such a beautiful thing to have in our lives oh because goodness. we have experiences like that. So what if the goal, living an unabashed life is the powerful place, you know, racing, you know, just what, whatever the fuck you have that day, you know? And I mean... I used to live where if I didn't have certain things, I thought that I wasn't worthy. Mm. Like if I didn't have, you know, a partner or if I didn't have a house and if I didn't now, now I have nothing <laughs> and I'm so happy, right, you know, right. and just live your life, like ride your fucking bike, yeah. race. I mean, I just, um, just moving away from, from sports and everything. Right. Um, just wanted to ask you like, because you, you look so happy and like Aww. you've gone through so much shit <laughs> yes, recently like <laughs> like Aww. you know you're, you're such a big like parental figure in my life even even though we've we've only really i don't know like hung out or like talked for like i think this is right. the, the longest we've yeah. ever talked to one another <laughs> yeah. but like I, yeah but i know there's like so much love and 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 just you know i love that you're so happy and and i just i strive to be um, I guess just to, like take life by the balls, regardless of what it <laughs> kind of gives you, you know, and just yeah. like go with it, you know. That's it's, what inner peace is, right? Mm-hmm. Well, well, just like well, first of all, thank you. I love you very much. I do love you too. Um, I'm gonna cry a little. 
I, <clears throat> I think the key, what I would tell you and all my other children, mm-hmm. I'm going to really cry, is that you have to just see fear. When you feel fear, you have to be okay. And you have to look at what you do in response to that fear. And sometimes you have to fucking fake it till you make it. And I don't mean fake that you're happy. But you have to know that every action or every inaction that you take in life moves you. Moves you in a direction. And if you don't like where you are, you have to change paths. And some days you have to drag your ass like I did and put on your Whole Foods apron and put cheese on shelves and get yelled at for not putting the right box of crackers at. Like, you have to do that, right? And and you just, when I was doing all those things to get me to where I'm at, I did them with joy because I was like, I'm here and I'm doing it. And if I don't want to do it, and if I don't like this, I'm going to move to somewhere else. People get so locked in. You know, just fucking yeah, figure it's, it's it out. Yeah, it's scary to pick up and move like you do. Not easy. For, <laughs> to blow up your entire life. You know? yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean th- that's the right thing to do in so many situations. Um, or at least some version of that. To If, if things aren't right, do something about it. That's why I moved to Santa Fe. The, yeah. It was a huge risk. Like, it holy was cow. crazy. You know and, yeah. You, you had a whole community in Chicago. So you know what, Santa, Santa Fe is the move because this is what I need to do for myself. For this reason, and I want to know why the reasons were, whatever the reason was. The main reason was because what was happening in Chicago wasn't working. Like with my personal relationship and being able to sort that out from a clear place. Mm -hmm. I just knew that I had tried so hard to like manage it. And I really only originally moved to Santa Fe for a short time. Mm -hmm. I just knew that. I just was like, okay, I just need to put myself in a new physical energy. Right. I need to be sep- physically separated from like all the triggers and all the temptations. Right. Right. And and I just was like, I just need, I just need to do something else. And I was fully prepared to like pack my shit back up in two months and drive on back, you yeah. know. But sometimes. You just have to, if what is happening is not working, just try something else. Mm-hmm. You don't, it doesn't have to be the decision for the rest of your life. Just fucking That's, try it's it. It's so important to do that. We, there's another thing we spoke about in the car mm-hmm. where the, the best thing to do is the right thing and the next best thing to do is the wrong thing. And, and the, the worst thing you could possibly do is, is nothing. Is. nothing. <laughs> right. And the, and the yeah. reason is where if you do the wrong thing, you realize, oh shit, that was wrong. <laughs> I'm going to do something else. Right. It's probably the right thing. At least, or you're closer to that right. step. Mm-hmm. Do nothing. Like, you're not literally like all stuck. Of a sudden, yeah. You're literally stuck in the same fucking yeah. place. You can't realize yeah. anything. And so moving to Santa Fe, like, right. it seemed like it was a great thing for you to have done. It could have been, let's say you ended up being the wrong thing. It still would have been better than staying in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it literally blew up my entire Yeah, life. yeah I was going to say, like, from there, you just went all over the fucking Well, world. first I went, like, bad blow up. Like, oh. I lost my company. Like, well, I didn't lose my company, but, you know, my one right. separating from my partner of 11 years and mm-hmm. and eventually separating from my company that I loved so much. Um, but it also forced me to face the fact that I was questioning whether or not I was worthy of being loved. Like really? that was my deep wound. And I was like feared being alone and mm-hmm. 
And so innately and very consciously, I'm like, no, I'm going to force myself to be alone because this thing, I'm dragging this thing around with me. Mm. And so I put myself, you know, thank goodness for my daughter who was there because that was a buffer, but I forced myself to be alone. Here I am. Survived. <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. <laughs> I feel like these past couple of years have flown by so crazy quick. Um, when did you go to Santa Fe? August 15th of 2019. No, I, 2020. I remember 2020. when, Goodness, when you left. When you said 2019, saw me right in, now, um, um, oh. Where was it? IT at home, and I was sleeping on your, oh, yeah. on your thing. I had to get my papa's <laughs> <laughs> on. Last, I think that was the last time I saw you. I know, that I had for like, that pop. You know, you have, I have things that I wish I still had that I have no idea where they are. And I bought this giant papa's on chair, like... <laughs> So many years ago, we still have that Papa Sun chair, which is probably my only piece of furniture that I actually own <laughs> in my storage unit. So, you know, <clears throat> the other thing is, too, we don't live in a culture because we kind of bring you back to things that might be helpful for people to listen to. Is mm-hmm. We don't live in a culture where the go-to is, it's okay, you'll figure it out. It's okay. You'll figure it out. That's what I want for all of you, my children, and all of my bio children. Like, it's fine. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Yeah. That's probably the most productive thing you can tell someone. We live in this culture where the only decisions that you're – you feel this pressure to only make the most productive decisions, and that's why a lot of people don't make any decisions at all. Exactly. When in reality – Oftentimes, the most productive advice you could even give someone is to say, you'll figure it out. Just try something. It's probably not going to be the right thing, and you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right now, I, for the listener's benefit, I have no car, (laughs) no home, and no job. So, (laughs) I... Yeah, so anyone has to hear out. how happy she sounds. <laughs> There's literally not a single. <laughs> like, if anyone has any of those three things, <laughs> hit her lineup. <laughs> Especially if you're a hockey player. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and so I have to buy a car because I have to buy a car because my car was stolen. And, but uh, you said like the, the Milwaukee boys or something? Well,. They're called the Kia boys. Oh, my and they, God. You can find their, apparently, and they steal Kias and Hyundais in Milwaukee. So, That's ridiculous. Um, so my car was stolen. I don't live here, so I have to buy a car to get back to Santa Fe where I don't have a home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a car to live out of, which is honestly something I considered. I was like, I could yeah. sleep a few nights in my car. At the very least, yeah. I, I mean, I, right, I have people there, so I don't think it would come to that, right. but... Um, so it's pretty, as I'm working through this decision, you could be pretty overwhelmed by the thousands of cars that I could choose. Yeah. But I had to keep coming back to, I'm going to pick one. If I don't like it, I'll sell it. Right. Exactly. It'll be fine. Like, they're <laughs> like, calm down. Like, yeah. they're, you know, it's good. We're good. In the book, um, uh, Think and Grow Rich, this is why Napoleon Hill is one of the commonalities amongst all successful people is that they make decisions really quickly meaning they don't overthink things like almost in kind of a stubborn and slightly ignorant way they just make the decision like you did to bought all this equipment and said i'm just going to record this podcast Mm -hmm. just like that i would have overthought the hell out of it and never done it (laughs) 
<laughs> you did it. And, yeah. and then they're reluctant to um, change from it, even if it's not working at first. But then once it makes sense to change, they change quickly. They don't, again, <clears throat> just make the decision quickly. 100%. It's no different than your car. You're going to buy one. Hopefully you make a smart decision and you buy at least a decent one if you don't like it. But well, you're not going to know if you don't, whether you like it or not until... Until no matter how good. much thinking you do about it, until right. you get the car and you use it every day. And it always right. comes back to you, the doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing or yeah. doing nothing at right. all. Right. It's and very rare you're mm-hmm. going to do the right thing. So yeah. just, just do just it. Keep doing I would wrong say things. Yeah. rarely is there a true right or wrong. Right. There's always uh, just I mean, either, yeah. Yeah. either you're moving or you're not. Yeah. And what direction are you moving? Like back to that path analogy. Like you are walking down the path that you're, you're choosing that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you keep walking down it, like you kind of probably know what's going to happen. You don't like it? Switch paths. Yep. Maybe that next path you don't really like either. Just move it, you right. know? Just keep being flexible and just know that you'll figure it out. And you know what? I, I've been struggling with that for a very, very long time. It's been, it's been, I don't know, ever since 2016 or something where I know exactly what I need to do. Um, but I just don't do it because I just overthink it. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing that changed in my life was um, this back injury that I had where where I was finding like, you know what, if, if I don't take care of this, I can I can potentially be paralyzed for the rest of my life. Do I really want to put this off? Like, is, is this really what it's going to get down to like in right. my life? Like, am I really going to let this happen? And that's when like just everything started to change where like I... I just need to do it. Like anything simple as like doing my bed in the morning, something as simple as like cleaning my room, buying equipment, talking to people, just like just doing it. You just got to do right. it. Yeah, that, that's that's something that um, I, I guess I'm grateful for this this back, back injury because, um, you know, at the end of the day, like shit happens for a reason. And I, I really wanted to have like... Um, like an excuse to like just feel shitty about myself or like just like look down on, on myself for having this injury or, or whatever but i was like i just i'm not gonna let this um just kind of be like make me who i am i just like it's it's definitely been a struggle it's definitely been a nightmare but like it's also been a good thing and like my mom told me because I was I was telling her that I really want to transition to like some digital work. I just like I wasn't necessarily happy with the work that I was having that I was doing <laughs> before and, and I was just kinda of dragging my feet on like quitting and it was just a whole bunch of other things. But this just kinda of like pushed me to actually get all this stuff done. So Well <clears throat> kudos to you, snapping. <laughs> Thank uh, you, you- you took a hard life experience and you learned from it. You grew from it. And that's the, that's what we were talking. That's mm-hmm. the race. That's yeah. the race where you, that's the experience that we were talking about. And you're, you took something so hard and you did everything you could possibly do to move forward out of that. You didn't want to be on that path. You're like, yeah. no, I'm not going down this road. I'm yeah. going to do it. And so hopefully now you know that mechanism is in place that, you know, your brain knows mm-hmm. that route now. Oh, yep. okay. I feel this way. I'm going to just move. All right. I don't want to be here. Let's go. Yep. <clears throat> and that's, that's definitely something that I had before, but like I said, it's, 
I've been struggling with this for 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 a couple of years now. I, I feel like I lost it. I, I lost that that sense of like I guess urgency or just that sense of like yeah, I'm just gonna fucking do it. Like I I don't care what I want to do, but I'm gonna do it. I've gotten like formed or just like um, complacent. I guess you can say stagnant almost. Um, but yeah, this this definitely changed everything. And and I honestly I couldn't have done it without all the help that I've gotten. I it's incredible the amount of people that like reached out to me and like actually gave me money and just like gave me all these um all these things like uh, free physical therapy and just like it's just insane um what asking for for help could be like especially especially me I fucking hate asking for help like I'm I'm always just like I'm just going to struggle on on my own like I'm just going to deal with this on my own like I I didn't even tell my mom that I broke my fucking spine like oh my I, I she had to like beat it out of me and and um Laurie as well like uh my my other mom and uh she like beat me down like on text she's like i'm gonna have to start like a like a gofundme or like i'm just gonna have to like you know like we're gonna give you some help and um and i like i didn't respond because i was like i, I just, i'm just gonna deal with that with myself like i'll figure it out and she's like no because you never asked for help and like it's fucking stupid that you're not gonna ask for help there's so many people that actually like you and there's literally no reason why you shouldn't ask for help. And and that's that's another thing that changed in, in, in my life as well. Just like being okay with, with getting help is is something that I guess I'm still learning, but it's it's something amazing. Like I don't feel like a mooch or something anymore. It's, just, it's more of like, are you doing this because you you really like me or just because you're a really good person? Like I I openly take that you know like the right. universe is given to me i'm i'm gonna fully take it like there's no reason why i should be pushing it away well i would, I would i'm curious you know i was as i was listening to that i'm curious as to what you know what was the block the you know what's the what was the block like why do you think you were just so adverse to asking for help I don't want to blame it on like masculinity, um, but it's it's just how I've how I've been. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, my mom was always there for me, and like she always gave me everything. Um, but she always gave me like so much freedom to do whatever I wanted. Um, so like I I would just like figure it out. Like smaller things, sure. Like this is definitely like one of the biggest things that ha- happened in my life. Um, I I've, I've been homeless before too, and I've I've gotten into like car crashes and stuff, but like I just always find the way, I always kind of like figure it out. Um, so it's, it's, I it was just like ingrained in my head to like just figure shit out on my own. Like I, I just don't like asking for help because I feel like I'm bothering people, you know, like I, I yeah. think, I think you getting to the point where you're like, no, you know what? I'm going to accept this help. I think that's a, a breakthrough. And humility as well, mm-hmm. because that um, that thought of I'm not going to ask people because I don't like bothering people. Actually, that in itself is is ego, because there are people who want to help you. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're depriving them of the ability to help you. They didn't even know how to help you, though. You know how they can help you mm-hmm. because maybe and they want to help you. They don't know how, but by you not asking them, now they're deprived of that ability to help you. And so by asking that that takes a lot of humility as well. Mm-hmm. And again, that's like oxymoronic to think that no, by asking people and inconveniencing them, right? So we think 
But that's, that's a problem. Choice. That's, yeah, exactly. That's, it's it's mm-hmm. the exact opposite. In reality, your loved ones want to help you. Yeah. And so by asking them, you're doing something good for yourself. And <laughs> it takes a lot of humility because now like you're allowing them, you're making yourself vulnerable to them, yeah. allow them the ability to also help you out. Mm-hmm. And then if you believe in karma, well then like you're, good karma. you're, you're allowing them to be rewarded for that as well because mm-hmm. now they would help somebody who needed help. And they get good karma. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... And we just have to let everyone be, you know, if somebody says, oh, um, I'd like to give you a hundred dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they give their, you the hundred dollars and you accept the hundred dollars and they go home. And they're like, fuck, why did I give that guy a hundred dollars? <laughs> That's on them. Then yeah. they have to learn. Now don't give someone a hundred dollars. Like that has <laughs> nothing to do with you, yeah. you know? And we operate in a world where we assume that people are not being completely honest. Mm. I operate with, I'm going to assume that we, you are, we are being completely honest and that if you say something to me and you don't really mean it, Hey, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Like you give me a hundred dollars. Cause you're like, Hey, I really want to pay you a hundred dollars for being you. And I say, okay. And then they, I hear that they're like, ah, oh, how to give <laughs> like, yeah. you know? And the other thing is too, we started this conversation with the differences between Colombia and America. And for you not to ask for help, that sets you on the American path of isolation. Yeah. 100%. It, it, instead, you are building a community mm-hmm. and you're connecting with people. Yeah, and yeah that, was, that was a huge block. And I'm, I'm thankful that, um, that I see that now in my life. And I see how, how people can help me so that I can help them or I can help, you know, adversely somebody else. Like, it's, it's just... I guess I'm kind of like stopping the the flow of of good things happening in in, in the universe, uh, sort of. You know, even as small as it is, obviously. Like that's just how I I never realized that, and that's that's definitely something that I'm I'm thankful for. It's great. For sure. I mean, you're learning from your life, and that's mm-hmm. that's the best we can do. Yeah, I find that when if you come from a perspective of because I understand that of you. You're hesitant to ask other people um, because you think, oh, I don't want to inconvenience them or something. That comes from your own thoughts because you might you might be, think the same thing if someone were to ask you if you were in that position. So when you get to the point where you're more okay with asking other people for help, you also find yourself being more willing to help other people as a result as well. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's, it's humility that that comes from. So now all of a sudden, you're also more willing to ask other people, or sorry, to help other people when they need it, mm-hmm. which came from you yourself asking <clears throat> Right. So, I, you wouldn't I, think it works like that, but it, it, and that's how, at least I find for myself, it ends up working. I also think that it is a very, very scary place to ask for help because with that comes some level of expectations mm-hmm. and attachment. And you're in a vulnerable spot because mm-hmm. you're asking for help. And then you, somebody says no. Or, or they say, okay, if you say, can you drive me to the airport? And they say, no, but I can get you an Uber. Like, we start to feel hurt. You know, we start to feel pain, emotional pain around that. So I think that's another reason why we don't ask for help, because we set ourselves up for disappointment, mm-hmm. and we have, to, we have to lose those expectations. For sure. Just say, I'm struggling, and can you help? Can I have a hug or whatever? <laughs> 
That's the worst. Like you say, can I have a hug? And the person says, no. <laughs> Ouch. Or they oh, give, yeah. you, give you one of those hugs with the like, pat, pat, mm-hmm. pat. Oh, that's the worst. The pat, pat, pat. You know what? Take your fucking you, hug back. You're just like, oh. That, just, <laughs> that pat, pat, pat is just like, bro. And you I, hit I, it right I, on the nail, too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's three of them. It's, 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 tap, tap, tap. it's okay. Tap, tap, tap. Well, you don't even care about me, <laughs> bitch. But, but that's the thing. It comes from that expectation of because of how you view hugs, they're supposed to view hugs that way. Like, for me, I'm not naturally a hugger like that. They don't mean that I feel any less or anything. It's right. just I'm right. just not yeah. naturally that affectionate. Right. As a person overall, it's just how I am. Just Learn how to give the, hugs, bro. Just don't do the tap, tap, tap. Whatever you do, don't do that. <laughs> okay, I don't know that. <laughs> I'm working on No, I, I see your point. It's a very valuable point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it's when we ask for help, we we kind of set an invisible bar that we might be disappointed. It's important to not have that expectation. Yes. My children just had, because um, I had uh, a meltdown when, uh, <laughs> so... Shout out to my children for putting <laughs> up with me on that day. Um, you know, my dad was dying, and really, I was—I didn't think I was at my limit, but we had been in three weeks of not sleeping, and he was really struggling, and um, in Christmas, I missed with them, and, you know, it was like 7 or 8 o'clock at night at Christmas, and I was like, why don't my children love me? <laughs> <laughs> Funny now. Sorry, kids. Sorry, 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 sorry. Mommy, sorry. <laughs> but, um, and it was, I mean, it was so stupid because my kids love me so much. Um, but I had been so in isolated operation mode with taking care of everything mm-hmm. that it did sneak up on me. And then we added in Christmas and they were all together. And, I should have just said, hey, guys, can we just do, a, like, a 30-minute Zoom? I just need to, like, not do this. But I didn't. I was like, Ugh. And then they all were like, "There," you know, which I love. A few of them were like, dude, like, come on. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like, we don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, you're there taking your dad, care of your dad. He's dying. And, like, and so we wound up doing a Zoom, and it was great. And I apologized profusely to all of them. But, um it was all just because, like, I just, I, I isolated myself in this t- hard time. And anyway, sorry, kids. <laughs> really, really sorry. <laughs> oh. No, that, that definitely, I've, I've had, a, like, parental figures, like, just snap. Um, not necessarily, like, because... Um, I don't, you know, like, did my kids tell you that I snapped? No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, but just like, you know, trying to deal with, um, with something like that, it's like too many emotions to even like comprehend, you yeah. know, like what the person's going through. And sometimes I don't even know like what to say or what to do. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry, like, whatever you need, I'm here. But right. And that's, that's something that I want to like, I guess learn a little more, just being more more knowledgeable on how to deal with those kinds kinds of um well, especially because scenarios. Those situations <clears throat> come from a place of insecurity, which everybody, even the most people who are at the most highest level of inner peace or development or whatever, everybody here and there deals with the sense of insecurity. And if you're involved in that, 
of, let's say, if it's a parent going off on you saying, why don't you love me? It's so difficult to deal with that because, or to respond to that because in your head, well, of course, what are you, what are you talking about? I mean, I sure do. <laughs> right. And I feel like I've shown it. Okay, maybe I can do a little bit more, but it's true and it's honest and I feel like I do and I don't really know how to respond to this. And th- there's no really logical way to go about it because, again, it comes from a place of insecurity. So not really much responding you can do. I think that just has to kind of happen and pass and yeah. everybody has spurts of that with different people. It just mm-hmm. this is a thing that happens in life. You don't have to – I don't think your kids were uh, – requiring an apology or any profuse apology from you they're probably like bro this is kind of mm-hmm. on really know what's going on <laughs> they were amazing yeah. they were amazing yeah well because they do well, actually love you yeah. that's why they, they do they, 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 that's why you don't need yeah. to keep apologizing yeah. to them right. because they do and right. everybody understands insecurity with people you love in fact it actually comes out the most extreme when it's with people you love the most yeah and like I, the most illogical sometimes because again why would you say that about your kids right it doesn't really make sense but right that's why it happens because you love them so much at such a vulnerable level. Yeah, I was able to be so, so, so vulnerable because I was holding it all so together. Yeah. Um, I do think just saying I'm here is enough. I really think in this situation, and I'm not saying that I, you know, I understand why I was where I was. It was on me. Like, I was the block. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was the person in need and, you know, if you say, hey, listen, I don't even know what to do, but I'm here. I love you. Um, I'm here. Mm-hmm. If you like if you're not met with warmth, it's on the person that's you're receiving it mm-hmm. because and I don't mean like shame on them, but it's just what we do. That's what we just have been talking about, like. We're so scared of being vulnerable and so scared mm-hmm. of asking for help. And so, and then, so I really think it's on that person. It was on me. Like I was missing things. Like I was missing things that were available to me mm-hmm. because I was just so out of my mind in that, on that day. But, and I've done that in relationships too. I've been like, it was like, there were times where it was never enough because the fix was inside of me. Now it's yeah. all enough. Now I have nothing and it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that the beauty of, of life? It's, it's pretty nuts now. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's so... It, it, like, life is magic. Mm. It's fucking magic. It's amazing. Even, yeah. Yeah, even on the sucky days. <laughs> on the rainy days. Yeah. So it makes the good days good. Well, and... I mean, kind of every day is a good day, you know? And especially when you've cultivated a life that um, that you wind up sitting in a random kitchen in Milwaukee film, like recording a <laughs> podcast with two people that you love. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty nice, huh? <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I can't say enough. It's fucking magic. Yeah. And yeah, this is crazy. why we have days like this. Mm-hmm. Really? That's why traveling is so important too, though, because you put yourself in situations that don't really make sense, or that you don't can't really control, and you just experience them. Like a, a situation, it's just like random situations. Like when you were in Colombia and you wanted to trade, and they're telling you, "Hey, let's just go and have a spiritual ceremony at the waterfall." Some crazy like that. Okay, well, those situations aren't really going to come about. It's rare if you're just sticking to what you do every day in your own little bubble. Right. 
But that's why a lot of people do that because they think they feel quote unquote safe yeah. or they feel like they have security. But the, those uh, situations of abnormalities where the growth comes, comes from, I think. It's like Kevin's experience where you're like, oh, I climbed myself out of the hole of potentially being paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly you know? that. Right. And it's same with like you're in a foreign city and you don't know the language and you somehow figure out how to get home. Or, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, and, and it's with no directions. But the, the commonality is that you're experiencing life, you're open to life, you're you're moving towards whatever is stressing you right. versus like, oh, no, maybe I minimize, 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 minimize. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, and we've seen that like COVID brought that out. COVID, when we had the gym, there were people who were like, you know, just so paralyzed by the fear of COVID. Mm. And, and it was just, and other people were like, we're handling it. We'll deal with it. But it's just really interesting. Got to move towards scary. Yeah. Right, which is why racing is so fun because you exercise that part of you. Every every race I've ever been in, I've been scared at the line. Yeah, because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, the race I'm on by the fastest Rica. dude, there's still a greater chance you're going to lose than you're going to win. <laughs> Absolutely, so, and just flashing like I raced yeah. my mountain. Like I, I, I think I said it, but well, you guys. I was talking, and you guys were talking, sorry, but, you know, I did that cross Costa Rica mountain bike race. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're finding in the jungle. Really? Oh, yeah. And there's no, like, they're not coming to get you either. You sent a wave. Oh, yeah. Like, bye-bye, America. Isn't and that the race where, like, somebody got lost? Yeah, for, for two like... days. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. And I do it again. I do it, I do it again in a second. That's oh my awesome. gosh. Yeah. You're just like, okay, I'll see you on the other side of that jungle there. Bye. That's insane. Yeah, that does yeah. sound really fun. It was it was crazy. <laughs> it was kind of nice doing it the first time because you don't really can't fully comprehend like wading through a river in Costa Rica with your bike over your head. Yeah. Until you, know, you do it. Until you do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And just like how pitch black it can get. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I can't. I, I can't even imagine. The that. first day, I made it barely out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they'd leave you there. Mm. They would, you know, not that they're not good people, but that's you just the, the waiver. Of you <laughs> yeah. the way that waiver, and they're leaving me there. That's I'm, nuts. I'm racing in Iceland, summer. Really? Yeah. How's that gonna be? Do you have any idea? It's going to be fucking awesome, man. I'm going to tear it up. It's a mountain bike race? It's a cycle, uh, gravel race. Okay. Is it one of those long-ass cycles? Tw- only 124, which oh, I say, because I've done two thir- 213 was oh my God. so awful. Yeah. How do you oh, put yeah. yourself through that? I don't know. You learn, <laughs> you you learn stuff. <laughs> Believe me, I quit. I contemplated yeah. quitting quite a few times. Yeah, Around right. one mile, mile one fifteen, I was like, That's "Yeah, crazy. I could come back next well, year." Well, you had like destroyed your bottom wreck and everything by that time as well, right? Well, on the this was like, the two hundred mile race, the gravel race that you did, and I think it was in twenty nineteen or something. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So it was already like your bike was also going especially <laughs> slow. Like your legs feel sluggish, and it just so happens that now your bike is also. Yeah, I think I shot. remember that. Yeah. 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 Um, did I tell you guys that on one of my trips, my 
Both of my bikes flew off the top of the car. Oh my god! What a fucking nightmare! <laughs> oh, I think I remember seeing this. Yeah. Were you like on the highway or something? Oh yeah, I was going about a hundred. Oh, n- well. uh, somewhere. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, uh, so I was traveling from New Mexico to Chicago, I think, mm. and I was in some sort of crazy, like I don't even crosswinds know where it was. and stuff. Crosswind. So I all of a sudden I just heard. Oh. And I look back, and oh, it's like no. far, and eleven thousand dollars worth of bikes is on yeah. the ground. And uh, was there like traffic and stuff? There was no traffic. Oh, lucky you. Lucky, but then I realized I'm in nowhere land with no cell service. Oh, a no, storm no, okay. is brewing. Overall, it's overall, it's a bad situation. Yeah. Thankfully, eleven thousand dollars of bikes didn't just get obliterated yeah. right no, away. No, but the, you know what? The whole rack came off. And they were okay. Yeah, you just stuffed it into your backseat really? or something, right? <laughs> I jammed it up. I had a bike up to my neck, like, because I had the dog and I was packed for like six months of travel or something oh crazy my like God. that. And I couldn't even look at the bikes. I was like, I can't deal. I can't deal. So then I had to leave the bike rack on the side of the highway oh. because I couldn't fit that in and I wasn't mm. about to drive and yeah. risk it flying off. So I just wished it well. I said, I hope that whoever finds you knows what you are and will sell you or mm. use you. Bye-bye. So, like, the bikes were, like, completely fine? fine? Completely fine. Real? Not, like, like a scratch or something? Not even a scratch. You're kidding. They flipped over and the rack. on the bike rack, right? Yeah, the rack absorbed the whole thing. That's unreal. Unreal. Because I was like, I can't. Because I was like, I don't think I can make any sort of calls and be like, hey, honey, I know we broke up, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you want to get back together for, like, a week? Um, (laughs) I really need that discount. Yeah, I, right. I will do anything for that discount. <laughs> and I would have. I would have. Um, that's crazy. Yes. Yeah, not so a single scratch. That's awesome. Not a single scratch. That's awesome. But I was like, Mm-mm. I could not, like, I couldn't sleep that night because I was, like, avoiding looking at the bikes. Mm, and I was like, yeah. I can't look. I cannot bear the How, that relief the next morning then when you saw the bikes, how, how, how was My that? My relief came when <clears throat> I, I actually dropped them off at Millery Cyclery. You didn't even look between, at them? I didn't even <laughs> look at them. I was like, I was like hey, um, could you please just, just Deal call with me? It. And I was still, like, nervous. <laughs> uh-huh. but, and then, like, no, they're good. Like, okay. Wow. Yeah, I lived to ride another day. Yeah. And I had a mountain bike in the car, so I had three bikes in me. And so, yeah. That's which, awesome. Which is why I'm not buying another sedan on my search of cars. I'm saying 05 CRV, that's where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, even, I even put a hitch on mine now, and I got a, I got a oh, bike nice. right out the back. And it's just an adventure mobile because mm-hmm. I can just camp out of my trunk with, and the hatch opens too. So it's just like a lot of bikes. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's it's a very funny thing when because I'm working with someone who's being a great help in helping me find a car, but of course this human that is also around my age, fifties, is like yeah, and I'm like oh no, you don't understand. I need <laughs> I need to be able to put bikes in my car. Mm-hmm. If not, I need a hitch. I need ground clearance for when I'm up on bases in, right. in New Mexico. And they're like, okay, <laughs> we can figure it out. It's not what normal people want. <laughs> I was like, yes, it's all about that. So, got to ride to the hot springs. And, and when are you guys coming to Santa Fe? Um, soon. Soon as possible, yeah. I would love to go to those. I've seen a couple of those um, 
hot springs like on instagram and stuff like that and they look amazing I, they I, are I legit so yeah. yeah i go to one where it's yeah. by an old bathhouse and it's like 105 well, you degrees. just gotta commit man just gotta do to it to what just going out there. Just going away. Oh, just 20, it's yeah. a 20-hour ride. Two years ride. I want to go out there <laughs> ever since you moved on, out there. Yeah. yeah. It's such great riding. Yeah. Everything. Such, there's a you said 70, just 20-hour drive. Just, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking to somebody who had 161,000 miles on my car yeah, yeah, by 2015. Yeah. So, yeah, it's only 20 hours. Oh, man. Piece of cake. Yeah, that's, that's something else. It's, it, hey, listen, when you travel with bikes, you need... Driving is better because you'll need a mountain bike mm-hmm. and a gravel bike and right. a road bike. No, I of course I, I love road trips. I would for sure drive it, but this is this is a lot of twenty hours because okay, it probably has to. Have you done that in one day, mm-hmm. one go? Mm-hmm. Damn, that's crazy. I've no, done twenty two. I the longest I've done was to New York, which was it's like twelve hours, like fifteen. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah, that was a long day. See when you sit your ass on a bicycle for 17 or 19 hours I guess, yeah, sitting your ass right? in a car for yeah. 19 hours not a big yeah, deal see, I, have, I have no plan I'm of not sitting, my, sitting my ass on a bicycle for 19 hours <laughs> yeah that's insane so, so you know, for you're, you're happy because you're not pedaling you know, yeah so it's fine you and mark are both nuts only in that way you got you guys are yeah. nuts in other ways yeah well, you experience a lot of life when you're on your bicycle for 19 hours <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly. yeah it's it's uh Oh my god, my nine hour ride that I did with Mark was just destroyed me. I never wanted to do that again. Is How many it, miles? Yeah. I don't know. I think it was like one thirty or something. Wow. That's the lot. It, it 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 wasn't a fast day by any means. It was just mm. a lot of hours on the bike. And like on the way back, I was practically dude, I was so out of it. I hit a parked Honda Odyssey. <laughs> While riding my bikes, they were in their lawn too. I'm just with my head down. I'm so I'm like two miles away from home. I'm so out of it. Yeah, and I just hit it and flip over, and they're like, "Bro, what the heck? <laughs> it's like an inside road, no traffic. Oh man, you so clearly see it, like no blind yeah. spot. Oh my god, just a lot of hours on the bike. I don't know what 19 would do to me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe you need to try it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would, I would need to really want to try it. To- yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you, you thought, oh. 200 miles, that sounds interesting. I don't view it like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of sport. And that's mm. that's actually one of the beautiful things about cycling. Because you can do short, you can do mm. long, you can do road, you can do mountain. You can do so many different things. There's bikes. so many, so many things. But yet you always end your ride or your race with such a sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Like That's true. It, 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 I got to do that 200 mile ride then. Or or not. It's fine. <laughs> I could do it for you. I'm gonna <laughs> I'll just ride my I bike I remember specifically here. UK, when you were at the shop, you said you never wanted to do that again. Never. <laughs> yeah, you said that. It was so torturous. 200 uh, miles. Oh, yeah, maybe for a day. Yeah. I said that. And then it, just, it, it went yeah. away. <laughs> because I have developed some sort of injury in my lower back. Yeah, I mm. believe it. That's a lot of hours. But then when I was in Colombia... I was invited to do a healing with a shaman. Not this trip, the last trip. Mm-hmm. And the shaman, who did not speak any English, and I did not speak much Spanish, found that spot. Really? So I actually think that that spot was where I was trapping some emotional pain, which is really interesting. She also, I'm pretty sure she tried to milk me at one point. <laughs> Yo, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Do you want to hear the story? <laughs> Please, <Okay>. no joke. <laughs> <laughs> what the- <laughs> so I was in Colombia and 
I was technically broken up from my partner, but mm-hmm. we were traveling together, which was a little stressful. And we were just walking, <laughs> but it was great. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. So I was looking after Lania and Cadence at the yeah, time. Yeah, you were look, looking after our dogs, right? And so um, the mom who I was staying with said one day over translate, would you like to go to a healing? So I said, sure. And the next thing I know, I'm in a taxi going up some hill in Medellin, like up, 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 up. We had to stop the car because they're like emptying out cows on the road. We start walking. <laughs> And, you know, also starts creeping in. I'm like, wow, I just said yes really fast. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we get, we finally get to the house and it's a really beautiful house mm-hmm. and a big porch. And on the porch, I can see this like octagonal white tent and two and shoes. And I can hear like, you know, so I'm like, oh, that's where it must happen. So like an hour and a half later, because we're just sitting on the porch, guy comes out, it's my turn. So I sit with the lady, the shaman, and the other lady, my friend, and basically it's like, okay, you know, I'm going through this kind of like tough time with my love life and blah, blah. And then the, my friend leaves and the lady says, okay, take off all your clothes. Oh, man. <laughs> so, to which Strip I was down. like, okay. Another quick decision. <laughs> right? Say less. Like, yeah. So, so the only thing she had told me about the ritual was that it involves tobacco. And I could see like a big cigar. Did they put it up your nose, the tobacco thing? Yeah. Wait. Oh, yeah. So, my God. So I could see crazy. the cigar. Right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, whatever. Mm. So she you thought you were going to smoke tobacco. I was like, I don't know. Smoke. <laughs> So she sits me in this like rinky dink plastic chair and puts down this like token, like super thin, probably multi used like towel to cover my hoo ha from the chair as if it mattered. Right? <laughs> so I'm sitting there naked, some lady I don't know in the tent. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. And she starts like dancing and singing and. Mm-hmm. And then she starts smoking the cigar. I'm like, okay, this is the cigar part. Then she just again starts spinning like. <laughs> Wait, are you laughing at this point? No, because I'm, like, I'm just like, where, I'm just so perplexed by where she's getting the amount of volume of spit. I was like, <laughs> she was like spraying me. I was like, oh, she like and was you? Yeah, I thought, me. Oh my no, god. I was, that would have been it for me. Yeah, <laughs> dude, what the fuck? <laughs> She's like smoking and like, like wow. so much spit. And you're just taking it? So I'm just taking it. Because I'm like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. I wonder if that lady's ever gotten punched for doing that to somebody. Like some American comes is not... Not ready for that. Well, you're a little vulnerable at that point. So you're yeah. like, where am I going? Sitting naked where am I going? I don't even know where mountain. my clothes yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like running down the street yeah. naked in Colombia. <laughs> 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 America, I'm healthy. They'd be like, yeah, no. Well, you'd have to run all day down that mountain. And that yeah. would be a lot, steep, too. They're very, yeah. It's hard to run and down. By the way, yeah, that's, that's, those are the dangerous areas, too, those steep mountain roads. Yes, and they, we were on them. So she's spinning a lot. And I to the point where I literally was like, did she sipping water and then spitting it out? It was so much spit. Wow. So, and I'm dripping in spit. She comes around. There's a big feather involved. And I think, oh, and it went on for probably a half hour. So I was like, oh, that was cool, right? Thank mm-hmm. you, you know. Muchas gracias. <laughs> um, so then she says, like, taps the massage table and has me sit on the massage table. 
So she, you know, and she literally says, Muy importante, la, 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 la. And I was like, what? <laughs> I know I don't speak that much Spanish. And she's but... going, muy, muy importante, la, 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 la. And so I'm like wide-eyed, naked, dripping in tobacco spit. And I'm like, que muy importante. <laughs> Well, so she just keeps going, muy importante. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, I got to figure this out. <laughs> context clues, context clues. Like, what is so important? I don't know. And I was like, I'm looking around for like context clues. She's not motioning to anything. And I'm like, I don't know. So I just hold up my hands and I do the timeout. <laughs> is that universal? I guess so. I was like, hey, muy importante, I don't know. So she begrudgingly like pulls out her phone because she's like, this is not proceeding because I don't know. And she says, it's very important that you do not breathe through your nose. So that was her way of telling you not to breathe through your nose. That's what she says. It's very important that you don't breathe through your nose. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea what's coming, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, huh. Okay. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <Just> start <laughs> breathing through your mouth. <laughs> Naked, full of spit, just like rolling. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, okay, I have no idea why, but <sighs> so she oh reaches up underneath the table and she pulls out this long, like, curved bamboo tube, mm -hmm. which I now know very well, and she scoops out this powder, a big ass handful of powder, which I now know is a copious amount of this substance because. I had another experience with it, but in a minimal amount. She scoops in the powder. She puts the tube up my left nostril and just, and I just go, and just fall back because I was pretty sure that she exploded my brain. Oh, my God. And I'm instantly high. And, I'm, and remember, I'm like, Oh my god. Oh, it was like I fucking got stabbed in the eye with I burning yeah. substance. Like right on your sinus. And I'm tripping. I'm like instantly tripping. Oh my like, god. Like, like, ah! like, oh, like hallucinogenics or like more like marijuana? No, more like hallucinogenics. Like really? hallucinogenics with, if they stabbed hallucinogenics into your brain. Jesus. That's what I thought it was just tobacco that they put up your nose and that's why it had such a crazy effect. There is tobacco in it. It's okay. called hape. Um, but then just to finish the story, mm -hmm. the other thing that she had told me in the beginning is, I use tobacco, I have to do both sides. I'm like, whatever. Because when she was dancing around me, I was like, oh, you're going to sit on me on both sides. <laughs> and so then it comes, then it dawns on me. I'm like, no. It's the other, yeah, it the yeah, it's yeah. the other side. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. I can do this. Oh, I, and so I like grip the table and I am just like, <laughs> <laughs> drool, seriously drooling. Oh my God. You know, and she does the other side and I, that now I'm doubly tripping in height and I fall back. And then two seconds later, I just sit up and I am like, <laughs> I threw up, I threw up demons. I like, I threw up into this bucket 
And I was like, thank God she has a bucket because this means it must happen. Mm-hmm. I was prepared to see whatever I threw up crawl out of the bucket. Because really? it was just it like, was that bad. it was that bad. I was like, wow. where is this coming from? And so then I proceeded to fall back. And I think it was like three, four hours of just tripping on this table. Really? And Wait, I, where was Onyx's mom at this point? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like in the tent yeah. in Columbia. Four hours. That's like, nice. With this lady singing at me. And then at one point I'm laying on my back and my left leg is just like elevated for like an hour with no effort. So then she is just like rubbing me in place. I was like, you know what? I'm tripping. You go for it, girl. (laughs) (laughs) So at one point she's like pulling on my boobies. like, And I was like, she's milking me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm not sure what this has to do with releasing my emotional pain okay and I was like you know what I'm gonna get it up the butt too I bet (laughs) honestly at that point I would have thought the same thing I was just like ready for anything I was really I was like if she sticks that bamboo thing on my butt that's gonna be so bad but anyway she did so not. Moral of the story: <laughs> If Alex's if mom asks me ever, "Do you want to go get a spiritual awakening?" I'm gonna say no. Yeah, <laughs> we did do another one, but it eventually wound down there. She did find that spot where I had thought I had injured in that long race, but apparently it was tied to my emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, we did wrap up eventually. I got to put my clothes back it? on. No, no. Then everyone was like talking. It was like her partner and the guy who had had the healing before me because he had ridden a motorcycle and there's no way you're getting on a motorcycle. So he was uh, still yeah. there. So then everyone's talking. I'm just like, uh. <laughs> so for two or three days, I was not like I was. Holy cow. Fully. I was like, what? The next day I just wandered around Medellin and like meditate under trees. And I was like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It was really, it was a great experience. I highly would, I would do it again. Really? Dang. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a lot. It was a lot to happen unexpectedly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it was. That's crazy. It was a brave moment taking that second shot of it. What, um. What did you get out of it? Obviously, the um, the, the pain from your lower yeah. back that was that was gone was that was that through her um, like massaging you, or was was it through something yeah, else? She was just yeah. I mean, she was just like massaging and touching mm-hmm. everywhere other than my butthole. So that was it. Um, and she just found it and just like worked it out. It was mm. really interesting. You know, the biggest takeaway, and it was kind of cool because I couldn't understand the language, so I couldn't be led. Mm -hmm. Um, I really felt like I tapped into places that I was holding shame, that I was holding just pain, and I felt freed of those things. I felt like Mm -hmm. it was really like, and also, too, I was so brave. Like, I was... You know, I was in there, and I, but I had those moments where I was like, what the fuck am I doing? But I was yeah. doing it so willingly and joyfully, and I was, and I was really quite proud of myself for doing it. Okay. So the combination of just being present and allowing her to share her magic with me, and right. just I felt free. The whole thing was very free. So, awesome. Yeah. Have you had any sort of that kind of experience with... Um, like mushrooms or like acid or something like that i've never done acid um but i recently because <laughs> of moving to santa fe i've done a lot of mushrooms mm. love them shout out to mushrooms 
Psilocybin. Psilocybin. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're pretty like eye-opening. You know, I don't want to sound like a hippie, but they're they're definitely. Since we were talking about like um, like in the city, people are just like to themselves and they're stuck in that that nine to five and that grind and that just like they're not in the present moment. These things take you out of that rut, out of that um, um, just like doing things over and over, and I guess just kind of opens you up, just kind of like gives you a different perspective it gives you a different perspective from your from your own ego you know sometimes you experience ego death if you take too many mushrooms um and that's when people kind of like freak out because like oh my god i'm losing sense of self but that's that's kind of like the whole point like that's um like especially for me like doing um hallucinogenics while like working out or like doing something active like physically active I've never experienced such like like being present. It's it's really difficult for me to like try to explain, but like I just I just feel everything. Like in in that present moment, I'm just I'm just there. It's ultimate it's focus. It's yeah. very experiential. Yeah, it's it's really really bizarre, but <clears throat> yeah, just like I was just wondering because my first uh, experience with acid and stuff like that, I definitely had a similar experience. Obviously, people weren't like spitting on me and <laughs> and stuff you like that. Naked and in I naked. Country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I had a similar experience where, like, it was it was like freeing almost of like just like of the ruts that I was putting myself into, like the the same. Um, how, how would I say, like, me just doing the same thing over and over. I was in my nine-to-five job in, in corporate America, and I, would, I just fucking hated my life because it's just, like, the same thing over and over and over. I was a manager, and I was dealing with people, and, like, you know, some people are good, some people are <laughs> not so good, and, like, you deal with the same bullshit every single day, and it feels like nothing fucking changes. And, and yeah, that just kind of, like, opened, opened my mind. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? Like, I can do whatever I want. I don't fuck this job fuck them, like <laughs> fuck these people like i'm just right. gonna do whatever well i think that we i mean we're behavioral animals mm-hmm. right humans are behavioral animals and part of the behavior is our behavior of thoughts and so our thoughts our feelings are results of thoughts that's a whole nother podcast but um <laughs> So we are we tend to be habitual because our bodies and our minds are inherently conservative. Mm-hmm. Like a new thought or a new behavior requires a lot more energy than than not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so we get in these ruts, uh, especially here in America, you know, which is kind of like the running theme throughout this talk. And <laughs> yeah. and so when you're tripping on mushrooms, that part of your brain is turned off. The habitual logical thought. Oh, the DMT, not the, not the, the um, something network. I forget. Sorry, go ahead. No, what were you saying? Oh, the, there's, there's, there's like an actual like part of your brain. It's called the default mode network, and right. and that's 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 what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't even know that. How <laughs> that? Um, but it's turned off, so you're no longer like even say you're socially with people. You're no longer thinking like. Oh well, I better make sure that I'm polite, and I hope they all like me. Mm-hmm. Blah blah, and 
and you're just free. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, I mean, I love mushrooms. <laughs> I love yeah. them. And, yeah. and they're fun and they're safe. And mm-hmm. I actually don't drink. I mean, I haven't drank in a while and I love it. Mm-hmm. I, but give me other stuff and because it's, <laughs> it's the experience that I want to have. Like, yeah. you know, drinking is fun until you're stupid and then you're hungover. And mm-hmm. It's never worth it the next day. Gain weight and makes your stomach awful. Yeah. Like just eat a Bad little decisions. natural mushrooms. Yeah. There's a church in Santa Fe that gives them away. Really? Well, that's an interesting thing. Um, or over the years, I, I've wondered why so I've never drank. And I've always wondered why so many people love going out and drinking so much when the, when every person will agree on that they hate how they feel when they're super <laughs> drunk mm-hmm. and they hate the next day or the next yeah. couple of days. Well, then why? And I think I, I don't think it's the drinking at all. I think it's the communal aspect of yep. it that people love yep. so much. If you were to take the drinks away, honestly, it'd be no different. Like it'd still be amazing. But unfortunately now, when people grow up with that mentality and the first time they experience that it just so happens to also be with alcohol because you can't go out and not have it. Right. Like that's just the culture. <laughs> right. It's hard to go back when that becomes your normal. Like maybe you create friends through that and now you don't know how to have these conversations unless you yep. guys are at the bar drinking and a little bit tipsy and stuff. And right. so it's really unfortunate. But yeah. what, what people are really craving is that human connection. And the freedom to express themselves. Absolutely, yeah. Without feeling vulnerable or without feeling insecure about right. it. So we just have to act like we're drunk without drinking, which is very attainable. Just, oh, yeah. It's yeah, super it's easy. Just easy <laughs> to being honest, in. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just being free and open yeah. and, and, and again, the Sometimes word that no unabashed and silly. silly. And that mm-hmm. perspective is magnetic as well because when you start acting that way, the other people around you start acting that way with you mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. All it takes is one person in a friend group to start acting that way. Acting silly and crazy? Yeah, I mean, yeah. just just being honest overall and, mm-hmm. and being free and not worrying. Right. And, um, like, I think this also goes for maybe if there's a friend group where everybody's smoking up and then one person's like, yo, I'm not going to smoke no more. It, I feel like it's easy to stop doing those types of things if you have a friend group who you, let's say, did it with and now all of you guys are on the same page where you're like, you all realize that the thing we value is each other. Right. We don't need this. When we were kids... We, we had so much fun. We can go back to that. There's nothing right. stopping us from doing that. That's a great point. And you have, you can say all that too, because you've lived a life without alcohol. Yeah. Like, whereas most people your age are really, really. They're alcoholics, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. Drinking and I'm, I'm lucky and... that all my friends are the same way as well. Like my closest friends, none of them drink. And you the have lots of fun, I'm yeah. sure. Oh my God, it's amazing. In fact, the things we do, we still wrestle and stuff to this day because mm-hmm. we don't go out. Like to bars or anything. So Friday nights we're hanging out with each other. Let's say we're hanging out in the homies room just like it was back in the day. We have amazing conversations and we still wrestle like when we were kids as well. We still have fun doing that. Like pillow fights and wrestling? No, no, like actually, <laughs> like, no, actually, actually yeah. wrestle. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fun. It's really that never stopped being fun. The thing is, like for any for any, let's say, I feel like all most boys when they were growing up with their homies, you that was just one of the ways you played with each other right. is you wrestled. It was just always fun. And then as you grow up, you have different ways of having fun. And one of them is maybe going out. And because of culture, that becomes the normalized mm-hmm. thing of what you do. And take that away from it. Let's say for me, religiously, I can't drink. 
thankfully, because none of my friends can either. We don't even feel the urge or anything. Right. So we don't go out. So we hang out. If we go out, let's like, bubble tea, whatever. But we still get to enjoy those things that you got to enjoy when you were a kid, when there wasn't that option of going to the bar or whatever. Those things didn't stop being fun. They're still fun. People just forget about them. Right. I love it. In fact, those things, I would say, having conversations like that, being as loud as you want, not worrying about anyone else, just you guys hanging out in a room or going grabbing bubble tea and just not worrying about anyone else. I, I would say that's even more fun than... And then someone holding back your yeah, hair at the end of the night. Because it's, more <laughs> yeah. because it's more intimate. Super, you're present. I mean, mm-hmm. exactly. yeah, when you're nice when you're drunk, you're not present. I mm-hmm. mean, you're you're you have this big filter of yeah. alcohol, you know, preventing you from real. <clears throat> you think, you know, I love yeah. you. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not yeah. love. But you guys, yeah, that's really it's a cool. false sense of presence. Which is why, if you were present, you would remember it. Because any time when you're especially present. You remember those things even more. The three months I spent in Colombia. When I think back about it, it feels like three years because of how much I remember everything right. that happened. In fact, I can't think of a three-year time in my life where I remember more than those three months that happened in Colombia wow. because of how eventful it seemed, because of how present I was. Just naturally, I didn't try to be. It was just like paradise on earth for me. I was so happy and at such a state of inner peace when I was there that it. I remember so much of it. So if alcohol and let's say drugs overall force you to be present. Like it's one thing for it to help you and sometimes remind you. Let's say alcohol specifically, why do people not remember anything that happened the night before? It's not a state of presence. Such mm-hmm. a good point. Yeah. Such a great point. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, I, my experience with mushrooms has been, it's not full on ritual, but it's also, it's not like, oh, we're going to take shrooms and go to a club, which <laughs> would be probably really fun. But um, <laughs> yeah. But it's been more like, let's have this, let's go together, Mm -hmm. you know, under the moon and and, uh, experience. Although there was one night that I was tripping and I thought I couldn't find the moon. And I kept kept calling Lydia because she was pregnant. And I was like, Lydia, I can't find the moon. And she's like, Mom, there are clouds. And I was like, but I haven't seen the moon all night. (laughs) And she's like, Mom, stop calling me. Oh my, I'm just dying from like the idea of my mom like tripping balls. She's like, yo, I just can't find the moon. <laughs> Where the fuck is the moon? It's like, mom, stop calling me. It's somewhere. It's like, but you do not understand. I've been outside for like four hours. I haven't seen the moon. One minute and don't clouds move now. What's happening? <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, she stopped calling me mom. I'm going to bed now. The moon's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was it was fun. I uh I I don't know. My kids and I seem to have worked out a situation where I hope that I convey that you need to be careful with the things that you put in your body. Right. I was just uh, going to say yeah. kids uh do drugs but do them um, you know, with respect yeah 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 because yeah, yeah. uh yeah. some of these drugs are pretty pretty hard there's a lot of strong chemicals that change the chemistry in your in your brain and um some people are not ready to to deal with that um so yeah just even smoking weed yeah 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 for sure well, i used to work in the er as a crisis counselor and i saw so many young men 
who had had a complete psychotic break and their only drug is weed. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You never know how it's going to affect you. You don't. Mm-hmm. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would recommend everyone not to. Um, if you're hard-headed, it's different. And then you learn from it and you do it carefully, no problem. But if you're not hard-headed <laughs> to any kid that's listening, don't. Um, because there's not a single thing, there's not a single lesson in life that you can't learn uh, naturally without the use of substances. Because I think experiences fulfill that need even more or are more effective at doing that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like, I've yeah. seen, I've seen too many people, even with my close friends where like, if they were to get out of it, even if it's just weed, man, it's so, you don't know how you're going to react to it. If, if you're, you don't, you don't know if you have an addictive person. Everyone is, has an addictive personality. I don't like people say I have an addictive personality or he doesn't have it. Everyone does. It depends on what you don't know if that's going to react a certain way with you where all of a sudden your addictive personality becomes addicted to this and now you're using it as a coping mechanism rather than a supplement to let's say expand your thoughts or or just to enjoy it every now oh, yeah. and then super and easy then once to get. it becomes a coping mechanism that's when it's a serious mm-hmm. issue for sure i agree and you don't know like, you don't you can't predict how you're going to react to it yeah i mean i I used, I drank a lot during some really tough times just because I was like, I need to turn off yeah. and I, it's the and it was so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It was so unhealthy. It's, it's, it's a good thing now worse. that you don't because right. if you ever once use something as a coping mechanism, right. and by the way, this goes for healthy things too. This go, like even riding your bike, if you're finding that this is your source of happiness or that you need this just to get to a certain level of normality, bro, take a break from your bike and Learn to be happy with just who you are, because God forbid, what happens if you become paralyzed and the legs mm-hmm. down? Like, what are you going to do? Commit suicide? <laughs> yeah. Because your bike is everything, everything for to you. you. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. With anything. Yep. This could be a problem with anything. Yep. Your partner, whatever. No, it's so. That's so <clears throat> so true. Everything you just said was really yeah. biggest takeaway really is that remarkable. nothing lasts forever, and you shouldn't be attached to something so so much you know like yeah. you you gotta learn to let go of things and yeah just attachment find, find is the root of all suffering yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. just find buddhism yeah. <laughs> if you're a religious person like let's say i'm a religious person then um what religion says is that you find that 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 anchor only in god because with that or whatever your version of god is because with that infallible thought you give into the understanding that if God is the best planner, then even when things go wrong, it's not a big deal. Like you can't be let down by someone who knows more than you know. So when things go wrong, you're just given, okay, this is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's only if you're a religious person or whatever your thought of God is, whatever that higher power is. Maybe it's just the universe to you. Mm-hmm. That that's the only thing that you put that uh, dependence on because... When things go wrong, there's knowledge, and this is where the humility comes into. There's knowledge that maybe the universe has that you don't have. Mm-hmm. That if it went wrong, it was supposed to go wrong. Maybe it's not wrong at all. Maybe it's just you understand. It just is. Yeah. Right. It just is, exactly. I love it. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. Um, I think we covered a lot of different <laughs> <laughs> things in this podcast. Um, it depends on a lot of things, but I, I definitely like the conversations that we had today. Um, I probably will break it down in like 
because we had sections of like cycling and, and, yeah. and, and getting spit on. <laughs> And that's his old podcast. Right yeah, 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 for sure. Just a, just um, a crazy story. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was that was great, guys. Thank you so much for for your time. Um, lovely to always speak with both of you, honestly. And uh, hopefully, this isn't the last time. I hope so too. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. I couldn't have expected this would have gone as well as it did. <laughs> cool. Maybe, maybe this is the thing. Maybe we're uh, just gonna keep doing this. I. I would not be opposed to it. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. And I hope to everyone listening that you got something out of it. A giggle. Oh, giggles. <laughs> world. <laughs> life advice. Yeah. Uh, sorts of things. Anything like that? Yeah. Awesome. Namaste. 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 Love you all. Bye-bye. Bye.